Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. And welcome to this installment of Linux in the Ham Shack. Linux in the Ham Shack, the the most professionally run program on the internet. I want y'all to know that we are the most professionally run program on the internet. Implementation is a different matter, though. My name is Richard KB5JBV, and welcome to our show. Let me introduce to you the technical wizard that brings uh, this audio. Oh, let me introduce you to the technical wizard that brings this audio to you uh, free of charge. That would be Russ up there in Arkansas. Say hello to everybody, Russ. Hello, everybody. This is Russ, K5TUX, coming to you live uh, to tape or digital recording medium from between the peaks in the pine forest of north central Arkansas. And welcome to episode number 86 of linux in the ham shack so it's been a little while i kind of skipped last week because i had a lot going on so how's richard this evening oh well it's a it's a it's a chilly night here in north texas it's unseasonably cold down here and even worse i guess i've decided to have a stroke because my tongue won't work however things are moving forward we're taking a break this week uh wife's uh selling Mary Kay like nobody's business. I'm laying around being a bum, and it's going to get active next week. But uh, we'll talk about that. Well, you and I will talk about that later. So, what's been up up there in uh, Arkansas? You know, I've, uh, we got a lot of people in the chat room tonight, uh, comparatively speaking. I wouldn't think we'd have that many people go with the All-Star game going on. Well, I guess nobody cares about baseball Either that or Linux in the ham shack is better than a bunch of guys swatting a ball around. I don't know. You may be better than, than Josh Hamilton, but I don't think I am. Well, I don't know. Let's just assume we are, even though the all-star game is, is real close by, I didn't get a chance to go. So we have a, we have a recording to do here and it turns out we've got a little bit of uh, an interview to do first up. Just so everybody knows, the, the audio from this phone call is a little bit noisy, but I'm going to bring Bob online right now. So welcome, uh, welcome Bob W9YA, who's going to turn down his stream so he's not getting aphasia. Yep. Hi, how are you guys? Oh, fantastic. Yeah, good up here, too. Normally, this time of year, we have cars melting out on the street and stuff like that, and it's, like, very cool here this evening. 
you know, I almost feel like a real radio type personality having to turn, tell somebody on the phone to turn their audio down, their radio, because, uh, you know, usually that's how it goes. But, uh, yes. <laughs> so, and I know better. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. When I put you on hold and you can't hear anything, I understand. At least on the radio stations, they play, you know, the audio feed through the telephone. And I don't think Skype can yeah. do that. Yeah. I'm going to have to check out this Skype thing. Uh, no, I wouldn't. I'd stay away if, uh, if I were you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's a Microsoft proprietary thing, so I, I you know. Yeah. Is it really? Yes, it oh, is. Oh, my. Yeah. What? Exactly. <laughs> Stop screwing around. No, that wasn't me. No, <laughs> no, it wasn't you. No, it wasn't you. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, there's a reason why Bob W9YA is here tonight. And that's because I impugned his software a while back. Well, I, I kind of gather it's not your software, but you actually maintain it now. Um, D, DF1, uh, let's see, DJ1YFK was the one who wrote it. Is that correct? Yeah, it's had about um, between him and there were four or five other people between him and me before I became, I don't know if you want to call it lead or principal maintenance uh, programmer. You had a king uh, of YFK test. Yeah, something like that. King. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, now, um, now, now it's a, Principal Stewart. We've had a bit of history over five years. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, that's okay. I wish I could shut my damn Skype up right now. Rather than me explain or try to explain myself, um, I'm going to let you do it because it'll probably make me look bad and it'll be much more entertaining for the people listening. So uh, go ahead and tell them why you're here tonight. Oh, well, I'm here just promoting it. Um, it. It goes back a little over a year ago, and I was desperately looking for a replacement for a wonderful DOS contest logging program, specifically for Field Day, called WR9R. And with the lack of ability of being able to run DOS easily and with computers no longer having serial and parallel ports, I was searching around for a replacement. And I really wanted three principal things uh, in a logging program. I didn't want fancy graphics because that can get in the way, uh, more especially when people program a mouse instead of just using the keyboard. Because when you're contest logging, you never want your fingers to leave the keyboard, if at all possible. And um, ideally, you're just maybe reaching over and, and tweaking a VFO or something. Um, but you don't want to play a lot with the rig, and you just want to be centered on the keyboard. And uh, one of the really neat things, if you guys have ever run, uh, either of you guys that have run WR9R for Field Day? I think that software probably predates my uh, interest in Field Day. Yeah, and I'm a okay. Piper guy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fair. Uh, uh, anyways, um, the really neat thing is it had really simple help. It was very simply structured, and it was very easy to use. And we found back with the club I was with in Indiana when, when I first started using it um, that you could train somebody how to use it in about 45 seconds. And that was a huge boon on field day with a large operation or a medium-sized operation. You didn't need the computer guru, somebody tied to the computers to just train people. And uh, back then, this would be in the 90s, people were just starting to do computer logging in a, in a serious way. So I really wanted to find a replacement that didn't use a mouth, had simple graphics package um, to no graphics package, 
and uh, I stumbled over YFK test and um, really, really liked it. And um, the author, uh, Fabian, DJ1YFK, had made an offer that anybody who wanted to jump in and help, since it was an open source project, could jump in and help. And uh, what I found was, as I was doing contests and correcting the code while I was in the middle of the contest, I'd jump out of the program, patch the code, restart the program. <laughs> and I did that a lot, and, and the program started improving throughout last year, and I was submitting my uh, uh, improvements. And then long about February, a friend of mine said, you know, you really ought to sit down and correct the way it starts for a lot of the people that are in the Linux, because five years ago, in Linux, you 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 were expected to have a hat with two propellers and and uh, so forth, and uh, people don't do that anymore. They get in Ubuntu and they get into the new stuff, and uh, they they really want to just be able to sit down and log. So I started making improvements in the program, and uh, I found that since that was the third week in February, I got started with it this year, doing serious corrections on the program. And I've submitted over 100 and about 150 patches in the meantime. Uh, since then, ending up in about the beginning of June. And uh, those 150 patches have moved the program right along. You guys were huge help. You pointed out where people were stumbling and getting confused. And so I kept improving it. I had, a, I had uh, input from about a dozen people about how to improve it over the last several months. And uh, it's come now to, I think it's at Red 533 right now. And uh, I started improving at about Rev 370, 380, so that neighborhood. So there's there's been a lot of improvements, and um, it's kind of whipped into shape. It's still very very simple. Doesn't use X, doesn't use graphics, doesn't use a mouse. Has a single page help, and uh, it's it's pretty easy to maneuver around once you get it running. And um, I'm very pleased with it. I've used it in several contests now, and. Uh, it's really been whipped into shape. So that's pretty much my story, how I got involved and why I'm doing it. Okay, well, let me get this out of the way, since uh, we had a little bit of an email conversation a little bit ago. And the last time that I said anything on the show about YFK test, I was having my ongoing problem with getting the ARRL field day logger bit of it to work, and I had talked with John, EI7IG, and he went ahead and confirmed my issues with it, but only because I was under a false premise. So do you want to explain my idiocy, or do you want to let me do it? I'm not sure exactly what you did. I will tell you this. One of the things I added was a rudimentary error checking. And um, some of that was in the program in certain areas. Some of it didn't exist at all. Uh, I didn't want to be able, for instance, to log in dirtbag for a call sign. So so instead of being able to type in dirtbag, which you could do at one point, it does some rudimentary checking on call signs and, in fact, in all the logging fields. So in field day, you have three logging fields. You have the call, the person you're working. You have their uh, class and their section. And if you don't type the section right, it may or may not go in. If you don't get the class right, it won't get go in although it does accept every conceivable kind of class that's available, plus some in the future. Um, it will allow you, will will expand as the ARRL adds classes, which they do about once every five years or so. Okay, well, you pretty... Now, I don't know if I explained the problem you tripped over, but I think I did. 
Um, you actually came pretty close. The problem I was having is that I was stuck on the fact that a lot of contesters, or even in non-contest uh, communications, one of the first things that you exchange is an RS or an RST. And I was perpetually trying to enter an RS into the um, the station type field. So instead of putting, you know, one alpha or 10B or whatever, I was putting in a 5.9. Now, clearly, ah. that's not going to go through because of your rudimentary error checking. So, right. you know, the 75,000 times I fired that thing up and put in a call sign 5.9 and then a section, it would never work. So, yes, I'm an idiot. Go ahead, Richard. Actually, I, I want to hear. <laughs> that, that, just so you know, that error checking was in the program for years before I got to it. In that section, <laughs> yeah. So that yeah, and a lot of the contest logging programs won't let you do that. Uh, N3, I could I go could go through a list, but almost none of them will allow you to enter in an RS uh, when it's expecting a, a field day class. Um, one, right. One thing I might suggest is if you could on the line. You know, YFK test is done um, using a curses interface, so it's basically you can run right. it in a terminal window or you can run it at a DOS window or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. So if there is some way that you could put on the line above the data entry line sort of a code or a little bit of text explaining what the data entry for that field is expecting, that might That's be helpful. That's an excellent idea. That's an excellent idea. We are using that line in CW and will eventually, depending on where the voicemail goes, be using that line. Um, it's optional right now. When you go into CW mode and you're configured to show the message keys, it will literally show you what the function keys will be sending when you hit them, which uh, in CW contesting, you, you're using your function keys for the pre-canned responses, if that makes any sense. Uh, yeah, it does. I'm I'm not a big CW contester, so I was sort of looking at all of the contest logging right. apps that I tried from uh, a sideband point yeah. of view. But we could put that up, and that's an excellent idea. And in fact, I'm I'm writing it down now. That's on the list, and and I'm always welcome to any kind of input from anybody. And yeah, I, that's how the that's how the program gets improved. <clears throat> right, yeah. and I understand in a curses type interface, you're sort of limited to the amount of screen real estate you have because it's not like um, a graphical interface where you can put thousands of different things on there. You're limited to sort of a 80 column wide by 24 column tall terminal window, more or less. Uh, so you have to be a little bit spare about what you display. I, I kind of get that. Absolutely. Um, yes. But and I'm not even sure that I noticed anything about like what sort of data entry you expect for the different contests, uh, even in the help file. So. And that's true because the help file, <laughs> as you notice, is also one screen, and that's on purpose. Um, it might make sense. If I can squeeze a line in the help file, I might do a context-specific thing because you load a definition file, a DEF file, and that's not real obvious. It's kind of in the background. But that, uh, that definition file does tell you exactly what it expects. And... Um, Again, this goes back to the propeller, the dual propeller, dual shaft hat days five years ago when the guys that were running this program, um, you know, have been, were well steeped in Unix and Linux. Um, 
so that's a remnant, and we've been bashing back and forth about how or what we're going to do about to, to make it easier for people to write the contest files, because right now you have to really understand um, Unix regular expressions, or specifically Perl regular expressions, to understand what's going on there. It's there, but it's not, so I think you have a wonderful suggestion, and I think even better suggestion to put it in the help file. So if you call up help, it's there's a context-specific line telling you what you'll be entering. That's a great idea. Yeah, and it, it seems like it would be particularly useful because um, YFK test does uh, support a lot of different contests, and people who might be just getting into contesting may not be familiar with uh, the exchange for a particular context. Uh, so being yeah. able to call it up just by hitting, you know, the F1 help key or whatever uh, could be very useful. And I would like everyone to know that it's just this easy to contribute to an open source project. You, too, can do it. Yes, very much so. I mean, I'm only in it in it because um, it, it's available to me. And uh, I only found it because I was doing that open source thing of scratching the itch. I really needed a replacement program. And... Um, and uh, it's 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 several thousand lines of code, and it's not always well commented. So uh, at least sixty to seventy-five of those changes I've made in the last few months have been bugs. In fact, the most recent change uh, was a Ben Coleman NJ8J in Atlanta submitted a, a fix for the rake graph, and when he submitted it, I found two other problems. So. <laughs> So there were three bugs fixed in the last couple of updates, and it has to do with the rate score, how it does the rating. All right. Well, let me ask you two questions you can answer. Sure. Um, because I don't want to forget either one of them. The first one is we've kind of talked about how it looks on the front end. So, A, what's it written in in the back end? And, B, um, what other contributors to the project uh, other than you are sort of still active in its development? Um, oh, okay. Um, YFJ, uh, YFK is pretty much non-active in the development. He still supports the software repository where you get the program, but uh, um, he's, for all intents and purposes, out of out of the loop. Uh, some of the earlier developers I've talked to, I'm going to answer these in reverse order. Um, WS6Z or W, yeah, something like that. Fellow out in the in the West Coast, he still has a lot of good ideas for it. He's a professional programmer. He helped contribute to it early on, and in fact, he encouraged um, Fabian DJ1YFK to put up the software repository so other people could contribute. Um, I think DR1 is that right? DJ, uh, no, I'm trying to think of the fellow's name in Portugal. He's uh, actually in the Portugal military. If, if uh, and uh, gosh, what's his name? Uh, it's David. Quintel, and he's a Portugal. I'm, the, the call escapes me for the moment. He contributed heavily to the rig control interface and the wing key interface. Um, there's been um, some fellows working on the CW daemon interface for CW keying. So we now we support both the USB wing keyer and the serial parallel port keying. Um, there's uh, I mentioned NJHA and myself, and I'm probably leaving off three or four people. Um, you can find out all their names by going through the software repository. Uh, 
So there's quite an extensive list of people that contribute to it. I'm I'm just the last in a long chain, and uh, and uh, so what was the first question? I answered the second one first. What was the first question? Now, see, I asked them together, so because oh, I, I knew I was going to forget. Right, well, well, I remember now. <laughs> <laughs> what was it, what it's written in? It's written in Perl, P-E-R-L, and uh, it's a wonderful language. It 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 neither compiles nor integrates. It it runs on the fly. It's it's kind of like a scripting language. It does actually compile the code. That two or three second delay, it's actually running through the thousands of lines of code and setting up the programming in binary fashion each time you start the program. Um, so there's about a two or three second delay. You add another second or so if you add in rig control or the keying interface, and it's firing those up. And um, and those are running on binary programs. But uh, but the rig, the um, yeah, it's Perl, and uh, it's been around since the early 90s. It's a wonderful language, and in fact, um, um, it, it's it's pretty. If you program, it's pretty easy to look at the code and see what's going on. All right, excellent. Well, I'm I'm quite familiar with uh, Perl. I just never bothered to look under the hood. I just did the you know the download, the make install, or if, if no, you don't even need to do that. You just run it um, because yeah. because it is Perl. Um, and as long as you have uh, a Perl interpreter installed on your machine, it just sort of runs. So very, very simple. Yeah, there, depending on the Linux distro, to get the keying up, you might have to add a package or two. Ancurses is sometimes split out from the main Perl. So they call those modules in Perl, and almost every distribution has a way of loading those. The in documentation is, is pretty straight ahead about what modules you're going to need or what you're going to have to go look for. But, right. Um, one one nice yeah. thing about the Debian distributions that I'm familiar with is a lot of the Perl modules that you might have to go to pair to get are actually built as Debian packages. Uh, so yes. In, so installing the and extensions. In any yes. And in any distribution, it's always best if it's packaged to install the package. Right. Don't go to don't go to Perl directly. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, yeah, because you can get conflicts that way. If you download it through the pair interface, you can forget that it's there, and then you download a conflicting version, and you can get all kinds of weird oh, yeah. behavior. So, yeah, yeah. So, so use Synaptic or Software Center or whatever you're going to use. So, um, and by the way, I have this running now on Arch Linux and Ubuntu personally, and I have it running under several different versions of Ubuntu, um, and it it's pretty much seamless. Um, the only time I, I run into really goofy stuff is when I'm running it on a terminal on top of uh, a terminal window on top of uh, uh, some kind of display manager display environment on top of X, and then the F12 or F10 or F1 or F11 key will be in conflict, and it's it's pretty easy to change that uh, within the various terminal programs that you're running if you're if you're running a, a graphics environment. Um, nice thing is that you can blow it up to fill up your screen when you do that pretty easily. Yeah. So. Yeah. And uh, GNOME three and the GNOME shell tend to uh, favor the full screen modes for most applications anyway. So you sort of get yeah. that by default. Yeah. And I want to thank you guys for the, all the publicity you've done. I know some of it's been strange, um, but um, you helped the program along a lot um, with where I was going in terms of ideas and stuff. And uh, and some of the comments you've made are, were quite humorous. <laughs> I didn't take them personally. Okay, well that's excellent. I never took them personally. 
Um, we, I mean, Pardon? we do like the application. There's no question about that. And, uh, we've, we've talked about it, um, more than a few times, uh, because contest logging happens to be one of those topics that comes up a great deal. And we feel like we need to address it as often as we can. Now, I'm going to go ahead and give Richard a shake here. Um, are you awake, dude, or what? Well, yeah, I was looking up the score on the games and nobody in the chat room watching it. Okay, well, since you're, you know, ostensibly a part of this program, do you have any questions for Bob or what? Oh, I'm invited? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, actually, he's covering most of it. You know, uh, I'm not much of a log guy, okay? I'm, I started just before everybody started doing it on computer, and my first log book was a steno pad. And I still stick to that philosophy for the most part. I do have a little bitty, I, I, what is it, X-Log or something like that that I put the stuff in eventually because it does save it as an ADF file. And um, uh, most of my, in fact, I, I use a spiral notebook for most of my record keeping. That's how I can tell you, Bill, we talked on the phone uh, in February, between February 28th and February or uh, March 6th. That's talking, right. You called me late in the evening. I was on my way home from work. I had to go pi- past the bar with all the drunks on the S-curves and nearly died. <laughs> now, you must have a really thick notebook if you've got all these details. Oh, I have <laughs> stacks and stacks of spiral notebooks just laying around all over the place. Cause, uh, oh, I have legacy. Oh. Yeah, Is I have a legacy I, when you die? Well, I mean... <laughs> It's kind of like that, that scene in, in Seven. I don't know if you've ever seen the, the film Seven. Mm-hmm. You, you, you'll go in the room, and there's like all these composition books all over the place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I don't, I'm not going to touch that. I, I would like to take a moment and tell you guys where I'm going with YFK Test. Um, now that we're, we're at the point where there's probably a lot more bugs, but they're fairly well hidden. There's a few things that people want to correct, some great ideas like what I got tonight. And uh, there is what I mentioned where I wanted to, um, you know, make it easier for other people to, because right now what to create a contest, you have to come to, come to somebody that's, you know, the half dozen or so people that are very familiar with YFK tests, and they'll create a file for that contest. But it's very hard to do it on your own. Um, but... Uh, uh, I want to correct that, but where we're really going with it, what we're what we've been talking about, is uh, and is putting it on a USB stick, not as a live USB stick, but on a USB stick, so that the application, all the modules, everything is there, all the rig control and everything, and you just plug it in a USB slot and you boot off that, and you run it off that, and so that you you if you don't want to install Linux, you don't have to. And uh, what we, what I've been playing with in particular, is how to make the USB stick not behave like a like a live distro, where you're running out of memory and and you've got the squash file system and the overlays and it's a big ugly mess. Those live CDs they're great for distributing a particular Linux upgrade or distribution or install disk, but they're not very friendly for what I want to do. So. Um, uh, I've been working on a different way of doing it, and it actually treats the USB stick as if it was a hard drive. There's no effective difference to the operating system or anything else. It doesn't care whether there's a hard drive in the machine or not. completely ignores the hard drive, 
and completely runs off the USB stick. It's just a hard drive, and so it would be like a distribution of YFK tests. So you, you could go out on a field day situation or a group situation or even just yourself in the ham chat and just plug in the USB stick, and you'd be all set to go. And that, that's that's the next place, and we're hoping to have that ready uh, either late this fall or early next spring. Uh, have you guys looked at, out of curiosity, doing something where you have uh, distributed instances of YFK tests logging to a central location, like I think it's the N3 M logger? Oh, uh, N1MM? N1MM, yeah. yeah. The networking? Yeah, there's there's and that goes back into the '90s. There's all there's been some kind of networking generally available. Um, that is interesting. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Um, it really has two uses, as near as I can tell. One is is so that you have a backup somewhere else of whatever you're doing. Um, you know, in case you run out of battery and, and it crashes and so forth. Um, and uh, where you're logging. The other thing is so somebody else can see what you're doing. And um, sometimes that second one is a, is a curse. <laughs> like I don't want to see on my screen what somebody else is doing necessarily. I'm interested in myself. Um, the rudiments of coding for that were put in years ago, and I don't know whether it was YFK or uh, that fellow in California, WS6E. Um, I'm not sure, but one of them put in networking, and the code is still there. It's commented out, but when you download the code, it's all there, um, or at least the ability to pass packets back and forth. And if you look at the um, actual log itself, the .yfk file that's generated when you're logging, you'll notice that there's something. It, it'll log an STN1, and that's station one, and, and it's 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 kind of like a placeholder in the log that's existed for years. So you can identify which network station um, did that log entry. Okay. Um, I know a lot of people like the way, well, at least the ones that have talked to me anyway, um, via email or at conferences or whatever, have sort of uh, liked the distributed nature of uh, N1MM and the ability to log into a sort of aggregate of uh, all the people who are doing logging. And uh, I haven't really, since that's a Windows-only application, it doesn't work real well under Wine. In fact, I don't think it works at all. Uh, I haven't, haven't really had a chance to explore it. So I don't know exactly what it does, but I know it's a feature that uh, the hands that I've talked to like. So the fact that it's, yeah. uh, you know, it's sort of in there but doesn't work yet means there might be a future for it in uh, YFK test. It would be really nice if by next spring when we're melding all this onto a USB stick, that that would be part of it. Um, the big problem, and I went out and did field day, and this is like a for instance, but I did I did field day uh, this year um, initially with, with the, what we call here in Albuquerque the 5A group, which is kind of like uh, a bunch of misfits that get together. <laughs> we had six stations running, but it only lasted four hours. But it's a great deal of fun. The guys are great. It's a great meal. And I ran 20 CW. Um, we had a 15 CW, a 6-meter CW station. We had 40-meter voice and, and, and 20, 40, and I think 15-meter voice stations. So we, we had some stations up and running. It was a lot of fun. Um, we didn't network. Nobody cared. But the neat thing was is that um, we went out. I went and met up with another group. Uh, 
and we scored great, I think, in the top five in the nation, W5UR, which is the local DX club here in Albuquerque. And they put on quite a show. It's the first year I worked with, with those guys and uh, got there around um, dinner time. Had a great dinner. <laughs> Wonderful steak dinner. They had every imaginable piece of logging software you can imagine. None of it was networked and none of it was the same. But because they had ADIF and Cabrillo, they all put it back together later. Um, that kind of is a bad thing. There's no backup. But, um, uh, you know, they had, some, including the VHF and digital stations, they had two, three. At one point, they had six or seven stations on, eight stations on. Um and uh, I think there were eight different programs running. <laughs> it was a general free-for-all. So even when all the machines are running Windows, not everybody gets the same level software installed. So um, uh, to that was one of the goals in, in going to this USB thing. Just show up with your computer. We'll take care of it from there. And it makes it real simple. Um, uh, I happen to appreciate N1MM for what it is, but there's a lot of things it does that I can't stand, like needing a mouse. Um, one of the things YFK test does that a lot of programs do is, is that you see all the sections on field day, and when you work a section, it changes color, which is kind of a neat feature. Um, uh, it does that on a per-band mode basis. Um, on N1MM, you can get a display that shows you all five bands at the same time in, in all the sections, and it's so tiny that you can't see it. <laughs> so a lot of the features kind of lost on me because they just get in the way or they're not usable. It's too small. The, 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 what we were talking about earlier, and I think it was you, Russ, that brought it up, but the idea that, that there's only so much um, space on a screen for stuff, well... One of the detractions to a Windows-like environment is you can misuse that space. And I'm not saying N1MM misuses it, but you can get into some options where it's not helpful. And uh, and that's being polite. <laughs> so um, I, I try really hard. I'm trying to hold back on how complicated the program gets because in reality, if if, if it gets as, as, as feature-laden as N1MM, then then it, it's no longer user-friendly, in my opinion. No, I would tend to agree. I sort of like the basic layout and the fact that you can either run it uh, at the console level or inside a terminal window, and it's uh, just, as, just as effective. And, of course, without all the graphics overhead, it makes uh, the interface very quick. So that's another it's advantage. Snappy. Yeah. All right, Richard, do you have anything yeah, else? I think we've... Uh, I think we've uh, we lost Richard? No, no, I think he's here somewhere. Hello. Yes. We're kind Hello. of leaving. Yes. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, you're there. All right. Do you have anything else to contribute to this conversation, or should we let Bob uh, let people know where they can find YFK Test and where they can contact him if they've got any great suggestions for its future? Well, I was just going to say, you know, y'all were talking about the networking deal a while ago. You know, more and more people are wanting to network for field day. Uh, we had, I had a couple questions. Uh, sent to me about that uh, back before field day. Uh, unfortunately, I was busy and didn't get back to him in time, and I'm sure he's talked badly about me on his show, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> no, I haven't. No, 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 not you. Do you want me to? Because I can if you want me to. Let me tell you something. Is I, I, I don't have a problem with talking about me because I know if they're talking about me, they're leaving everybody else alone. 
You know, <laughs> that's just the way I look at it. And and my skin is so thick. I mean, you could like make a pair of boots out of it. I mean, it, it's pretty thick. But no, um, actually, a uh, YFK test. Uh, what I would like to say to the listeners, okay, kids, here's t- here it is. Time for y'all to throw some work in on this. Is uh, when when you get the information on uh, on where to find it and who to talk to and everything else, go out, download it, work with it, find out what's wrong with it, do your best to break it. And, one, and when you do, uh, send that information in so that the program can be improved. See, that's one of the things we don't talk about near enough on this show is that uh, you can either contribute by programming, you can contribute by sending money to a project, or you can contribute by sending bug reports. Go out and break the damn software and send the information to the developer. So what I would probably say is, why don't you give them your information on how they can pick up a lovely copy of this wonderful software and get in touch with you when they break it? Uh, best place to go um, to find out all the information because the YFK pages at DJ1YFK, the web pages, are incorrect as to its status, where it's at. Um, if you want the latest version, and you really do want the latest version, um, it's 0.0.10. And it's only available um, through subversion repositories. And I know that's a big bunch of words. Here's where you go to find out what you need to know to be able to download it and run it. And that's B. Finch. That's Boy, French, India, Nancy, Charlie, Hotel, bfinch.net. And if you go there um, and go to the first item, it says YFK test. And you'll, you'll see a thing that says read me. And you a link for README, and you go to that README link, and that'll take you on the progressive stages to downloading it and, and running it. And that's the best way to handle it. Um, in uh, and and that takes you direct, doesn't take you in any roundabout way. It's, it's the most direct way we have right now. We're looking into changing that, but currently that's where to get it. And as far as I'm concerned, for the next couple of years at least, that's where you go when we put together the USB stick, you'll go there as well, uh, or you'll be directed from there. And you'll find out a little bit more about me in the process, because that's my personal website. All right. Does that cover it for you, Richard? I think I'm about out of questions. Oh, yeah. Uh, I really don't have a lot of questions, because like, like I said, it's hard for me to speak intelligently on um, on uh, loggers, and most especially contest loggers, because I don't, I don't contest. And um, <clears throat> because... I use one little little login program so I can get all my uh, contacts into one file, and that's my main goal is get them all into one file. And while the contact's going on, I normally write it down in my little spiral notebook with the world-famous clicking pen. So, yes, people, you finally found out there is an actual use for that other than driving Russ nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. I also keep That's track funny. of phone calls that nearly kill me in my viral notebook. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sorry to have to do this, Bob, but I'm going to have to give you a demerit for not using the international radio code words for the letters. Oh, okay. Leave me alone. What is it? Bravo. Okay, okay. We'll do it right. Bravo. What is F? I don't even know. Foxtrot. Bravo. Bravo, Foxtrot, India. I say Nancy. November. Uh, Charlie Hotel. Uh, net. <laughs> 
November Charlie Hotel. Was that close? No. Was that close? Bravo Foxtrot right. India November Charlie Hotel dot November Echo Tango. Excellent. See, he'd be <laughs> he'd, CW guy. He'd be mean again. <laughs> I I did it nicely, but he still gets a demerit. What what's the phonetic <laughs> for N in CW? N. <laughs> <laughs> be a bunch of CW operators having coffee in the morning. Be five a.m. at the at the corner corner. Uh, convenience store where they where they have some chairs and stuff uh my wife calls it the he's going to end up having a badger this my wife calls it the dead pecker bench and uh they'll be sitting around there looking at each other going na 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 all right oh good lord the show's starting to progress down that the down that dark path one more time Oh, my God. All right, well, you guys have been great. Thank you for the interview and the promotion. I can't thank you enough. It really has been special. You bet. And, now, you know, I know we have programmers and stuff like that that listen to us, and they need to get off their butts. They get this show for free. They can at least go over to some of these projects and contribute a, a little piece of programming here, a bug report there, you know, something, something. I mean, Russ can't do all the work. <laughs> I can certainly provide a uh, a suggestion or two, which I've already done. So I feel good about myself right now. Well, Richard lazy, so he don't do no work. So Russ has to do it. Well, there you go. That makes sense. Yeah, I understand that. Oh well, Bob, thank you for coming by. Well, thank you for having me. This is great. Oh, you bet. And be, remember, when when we start running low on material, you, you're on the callback for low material list. <laughs> Uh, well, great. Thank you. Thank you. We can talk about rockets and some of my other stuff. Then. Yeah. Oh, rockets. I love rockets. <laughs> yes, I'm a rocket scientist. I love anything that blows up. Well, let me ask you why you're here then. What do you think about the uh, the, the Dragon? The Dragon. Spacecraft, the Dragon spacecraft. Uh, SpaceX's uh, deal. Oh, those do folks. You, do you keep up with that? Sort of. I mean, I read the papers. Uh. Um. Most of the stuff I'm playing with now, uh-huh. um, oddly enough, in the last year I've been playing with the ham radio. By, by, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Before you go any further, please don't tell us anything that that there's going to be guys in dark suits and sunglasses going to show up at the studio. Oh well, uh, well, no, they won't. Uh, okay, go ahead. <laughs> but uh, we're using four thirty-three megahertz, and we're running ten milliwatts, uh-huh. and we're and we're doing wideband data transmission from rocket flights. Um, onboard telemetry uh-huh. and uh, it's fascinating fascinating project and um been playing with that um there's a new company a couple of hams started it they're also linux programmers of very big note i'm small potatoes they're big stuff um and they started a company called altus metrum and i was their very first customer <laughs> and they've been selling they've been selling stuff commercially and industrially and uh, uh, I don't know if the military is using it. I wouldn't know one way or the other. I imagine in a roundabout way they might. Um, but um, we've been launching these things up 30,000, 40,000 feet and uh, getting data tracking using the hand bands. And that's a lot of fun. Um, and uh, so that's another endeavor of, of mine that I've been uh, using ham radio for, spending some time with. I don't write the code, but I give them a lot of feedback. And I wrote the original documentation 
um, package, and they're still using that in one form or another. And uh, so I helped contribute to that project. That's also an open source and open hardware project. Um, you can buy it pre-made, but um, you can look at all the software code and everything. And that's kind of a fun project. Um, and it's live telemetry data. And it's very spooky because you can, if you've got an internet access from your launch site, you can push a rocket up and it's somewhat delayed. It's delayed a few seconds, but it'll actually track the flight on a Google, uh, on a, on using Google Maps, it'll track the flight for you over Google Maps on your computer while it's in flight. Really? So, yeah. Well, yeah, you know. Yeah. I haven't even messed with it, and I don't know how long. I used to. Um, my father always wanted to get on the satellites, and I'm my path that through radio is a little different. But I, I was always, uh, always fascinated with the the the, the, t- the tracking programs and stuff like that. You know, uh, uh, picking up the telemetry signals off the off the AMSATs and trying to decode it and all that other good stuff and. Uh, that's one of those things that I may get back into at some point. I do have a radio that'll that'll do that kind of stuff and everything. But, but anyway, yeah, uh, uh, that's the deal. See, we may have to bring you back on for that. You well, never know. Terrific. Here's the Man, thing. Terrific. I got I got to jump in here. I got to jump in here. Um, I started looking at the the Altus Metrum site after you mentioned it, and yeah. I, I see on here that um, there's a very uh, well-known personality who's involved with this project and that's b dale garby and i have to ask if uh you know him uh i've known him for a long time yes okay well do me a favor and um can can you try and get him to do an interview with us because i would love to talk to him oh really yeah. okay well i'll mention it he's he's in managua right now or last time i checked last week so well okay next time he's not in central america uh see if he can <laughs> He travels for a living, and I mean, he travels big time. Yeah, I've seen. Yeah, I've... Uh, but Bedell and I met through Lyle Johnson, and I knew Lyle from the Tapper Project, and he introduced me to Bedell. First time I met Bedell was at Dayton, and this goes back seven, eight years ago, nine years. And uh, he showed up again at our local rocket society's uh, February launch in 2010. And I said, I know you. And he looked at me and he said, I know you too. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, I've known Bedell for a while, although it's only in the last couple of years with Altus Metrum that we've become we've become a lot closer simply because we're both working on the project. It's his and Keith's project, and I'm just kind of small potatoes on the sidelines. Really. Well, I've, I've been to many an open source and uh, computer conference in which Bedell has uh, – you know, been present or done a presentation or whatever, and uh, I've never actually got a chance to talk to him much, and I didn't didn't even know he was a ham, although I see that he's what uh, KB zero G. So uh, it would it would be great if we could get a get to talk to him on the show. I'd love to talk to him about Linux and open source and rocketry and and everything else, and maybe we can get you on at the same time and have like a a big old roundtable or something. It'd be a lot of fun. Oh, that would be fascinating. That'd be fascinating. It really would. And so you would always begging. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, Bedell's been great to me oh. on the Altus Metrum project. He's been a great guy to buy stuff from and work with. 
Well, see, that's the deal. We're always begging. We're the kind of folks that like uh, try to make friends with people's friends so we have people to come on the show and stuff like that. We're, we're bad that way. <laughs> yeah. Well, we yeah, try well, and network and use our influence wherever possible. <laughs> I will well. be happy to send you guys. Um, I won't do this for everybody, but for you guys, I'll send it. If you download the Ubuntu packages for Altus Metrum and install them, I'll send you flight files, or I'll show you where to go to get flight files. Because with the latest versions of software, you can actually take a, a flight and rerun it as if it's actually flying. And you can run the flight, and, and it's a way of testing the software, but it's also a way of... of uh, going back and get, get reestablishing re data on the flights because it charts the flights. It does all kinds of wonderful stuff with software. And uh, that's uh, the software realm of it is Keith Packard. And, uh, and I don't really know Keith except from his reputation that preceded him in Altus Metrum. But we've never actually physically met. Um, but if you ever get a chance to talk to Keith Packard, he's, uh, he's the guy who he was – team leader for the X project, not the rocketry X, but the X that underlines all the graphics in Linux and Unix world. He was project leader for that. Oh, then we that need one. to talk to him too. <laughs> yeah. So, so they're, they're, uh, and, uh, they're great. I mean, when I have software issues or stuff, I talk to Keith. Keith's been wonderful. Um, he's another great guy. And, uh, they they're both they've both got this crazy chromosomal problem with me where where we like to launch rockets. So, <laughs> well, that's okay. There's, there are problems in the world that are far worse than that one. Oh, what launching rockets? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. As <laughs> long as you don't launch them at anybody, that's 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 the part that worries me. <laughs> <laughs> they're not missiles. <laughs> if not if missiles. I hear a rocket come whistling at me, I'm going to be upset. <laughs> Well, the funny thing is, is when they get going, they get going good. Um, I know, I'm pretty sure Keith does this, but I know Bedell and I do. We we like to fly above the sound barrier on a regular basis. So we hit them pretty hard with uh, rocket fuel. That and, sounds good. Uh, yeah. So we're regularly breaking the sound barrier. The funny thing is, is we're within the cone, so we don't typically hear it. Um, but... Uh, um, yeah, it's kind of neat. And we get to stay on the ground when we're doing it. That's the other weird thing. But, um, yeah, no. And so, and by the way, that that software is all written in Linux. Or in the, it's Java code, but it's compiled and um, uh, all, the, all the firmware code and all that's done in a Linux framework, and specifically Debian for those two. Well, that's excellent. And uh, while I feel like we could talk about this forever, I think we've gone just a hair afield of our original topic. So yeah, we keep oh, it yes, on sir. the phone all night. No, I I think I we well, probably could if we tried, but <laughs> uh, we probably need to move on because I've already got one topic I'm going to have to drop for this episode. So unfortunately, I think all we're right, going to well, have to let you go. Well, thank you for everything, guys. Oh, you great. bet. And. Yeah. Uh, and Russ will be contacting you to like find something else out so that we can talk about that too. Definitely. Ah, terrific. Very much. So. <laughs> well, thanks Bob. Well, I, you guys I did, have a great evening. I thought, I thought you were going to come on here and, uh, and give me hell about my, my tribulations with YFK test, but I'm really glad you came on and, uh, and we really appreciate it. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. So thank you very much. Well, you're very welcome and have a, have a great evening. You too. You bet. You have a great evening, too. All right. 73s.
All right, 7-3. Talk to you later. Bye. Well, that, everybody, was Bob, W9YA, Whiskey 9 Yankee Alpha. Yes. And he's the maintainer and uh, apparently lead developer on the YFK test project. Where's my clicking pin? Yeah. So you can go to bfinch.net, Bravo, Foxtrot, India, November, Charlie Hotel, November Echo Tango, and find out all the information you need to know about where to get, how to compile, and how to use YFK test for your next contest. So thanks very much to Bob for coming on to the program. And I think we're finally done with uh, segment number one. So uh, what do you think? I play some music and we'll come back and uh, I guess we'll just hit feedback because that went a lot longer than I thought it was going to. Okie dokie. All right, everybody. Well, we got a little bit of music here and Richard, I got to, you know, run to the liquor store. So when I get back, we'll carry on. But in the meantime, we've got a song that I was supposed to play last episode. This one is by Olga Scotland. And I don't know if she's Scottish or not, but her name is Scotland anyway. Olga Scotland. Olga. Olga Scotland. That sounds like a Norwegian or a Swedish Scotsman. Scotswoman. Something like that. Anyway, uh, this one is called Ancient. And uh, it was a good track, and I like it a lot. So as soon as we're done with this little bit of uh, musical interlude, we'll be back on the other side. We'll talk some feedback.
Okay, kids, and we're back. We've gone talk a little bit about the RTL SDR to fill some time in, but we had a thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable interview with Bob, and it it uh, filled up a little time. So we're going to try and get through this feedback, and tr- that way uh, y'all will have made it to work. You don't have to listen to a piece of it on the way home. Uh, most of you, if you're listening to it as you go to sleep, uh, you're probably asleep already. And uh, all that good stuff. Okay, so uh, first up, we got an email from Rich, KB0BJT. says, hi, guys. I might be a bit late on this, but here is a neat field day logging program written in Python with networking capabilities for multiple stations. And he gives the, uh, gives the web address. It's http colon stroke stroke www.fdlog.info. And here is the Java-based uh, JL logging program, which is available over at qsl.net stroke w1jq. Uh, thanks for a great show, Rich, KD0BJT. Now, for those of y'all who uh, don't know, uh, Rich is uh, Rich is a fellow podcaster, and he's been helping us out on a lot of suggestions lately and some other stuff. But uh, have you had a chance to look at this FD log? Uh, Russ? Unfortunately, I have not. The thing of it is, Rich has been very uh, interested in logging, and it seems like Linux or Linux-compatible apps of late. He has uh, sent us the the information here about the contest loggers, and he's also sent us a distribution for ham radio that he's created, all of which we are going to talk on a future episode about. I've already threatened to make him come on the show. Well, I hope he can come on the show because Rich is an entertaining guy. You know, he's he's one of those fellow podcasters, like you've already said. He's there with his son over at the Low SWR podcast. I got a chance to talk to him at at Hamvention, and it would be nice to actually have him on the show and talk about some of these things that he's letting us know about since they don't seem to be recording over there all that much. We will talk about these applications that you mentioned, Rich. Um, I haven't had a chance to look at them. Richard hasn't either. Uh, so if anybody wants to go on, on their own and check them out, go for it. We give you the URLs. They'll be in the show notes. And uh, we'll do a review of both of them probably in the next uh, two or three episodes of Linux in the Hamshack. So stay tuned for that. Well, I did go over to the FD Log website and uh, take a little bit of a look around. That's another one of those worthy projects, y'all. One thing I didn't mention earlier is that not only if you're a programmer can you help, not only can you break stuff and help, but uh, a lot of times people really desperately need help with the documentation on their software. Uh, FD Log's one of those things. YFK Log could probably use some help with it. In fact, uh, I don't know many open source uh, programs that... uh, are fully done up on documentation. Some of them are really well documented, but they're still not completely documented. And then some have uh, barely any documentation at all. And yes, Rich did send us a copy of he is building an amateur radio operating system based on Debian. I was looking at it this afternoon. It's got quite a few useful programs in there. He tells me he's uh, been having a few bugs pop up. And he's been squashing them as fast as he can. And uh, when we get to talk to him again, we will find out where it is. And that way, those of you that are interested can download it and work with it some. 
and uh, see if y'all can't help him uh, work through some of these problems. That sound about right, Russ? Sounds good to me. And one thing I will say is I just jumped over to the fdlog.info website, and it looks like the latest version, 1.48, was last updated uh, in the middle to late part of 2010. So I would suggest that it's not under active development anymore. That doesn't mean it's not an application you shouldn't use because maybe it was perfect as of 2010. Well, no, I see that there was a new version released in 2011, but it's still a, a year old now. Uh, just keep that in mind if you try it out. So um, obviously, the I guess he's working on it may, may be just slow. Yeah, about a year ago, it looks like. And, you know, that's the problem with some of these projects. If there's only one person working on them, they move slow. Uh, Dan over at D-Rats was having that problem until he got a couple of guys on board that could help him out a little bit squashing bugs and things like that um the website's pretty nice and that says a lot for me even though it is over at google but <laughs> y'all go over and check it out and uh, and kind of get back to us on it uh we'll uh we're gonna try and take a look at it but you know and fd log is a graphical application it runs under x it's uh written in tickle so you know just keep that in mind if you want to try it out what the heck is tickle tickle TCL, it's a it's a language. Oh, that's okay. I have enough trouble with English. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. thanks, thanks, Rich, for that suggestion. We will definitely look up to them, and we'll follow up on uh, your ham radio distribution project as well. So, what's next on the list? Well, let me see. There was a comment on the website from Leaf, <laughs> like we had it out. KC eight RWR. Uh, Leaf, uh, let's see, did you guys see this? And he, uh, gives a, a YouTube URL, which is far too long and complex for me to say on the air, go check out the show notes. Uh, it's at YouTube, but what it boils down to is it's a tutorial on GNU radio, a GNU radio tutorial series based on those RTL radios. This is definitely on my to-do someday pile now. I can't wait till you, you guys talk more about it, too. I'm wondering if the if I stuck an NE602 in front of it, how it would do on HF. It's too bad it's uh, that it's only receive only, but then most of the benefits of SDR are at the receiver anyway, right? When compared to most of the alternatives except soft rock, Though with the $1,000 or more you save going with the RTL, you should be able to buy or build one heck of a non-SDR transmitter to go with it. I think it was Richard, or was it Russ, that said he didn't want to have to lug radio lug around a computer. I agree. I wonder how well a Raspberry Pi would run GNU radio. And then he gives the... Uh, web address for raspberry pi y'all can hunt that up on google once again check the show notes and uh whoo wish <laughs> i wouldn't write them so long because i start getting wore out towards the end oh and by the way that comment about lugging a radio around that was richard and uh let me go ahead and read you the geek version of what an ne602 is for for Computer. those people like myself who don't know what one is um the ne62 is a signetics that's uh, Philips Components, 
monolithic integrated circuit containing a double balanced mixer, an oscillator, and an internal voltage regulator in a single eight pin package. So there, and you've uh, had your geek quotient for the evening. Yeah, what he said. Yeah, I, I didn't understand a word of what I just read, but I'm sure somebody does. Well, the computer gods are against me. I was going to go over there. Uh, <laughs> it's It's got stuff for making a transmitter in it. I don't know if it does or not. It's one of those things. It's a, it's a little piece of silicon that does some stuff. Yeah. And what I said was, you know, I don't get particularly happy about carrying it. But once again, I don't want to carry a computer because you travel light when you're when you've been doing MCOM for so many years, you take what it takes. You take what you need to get the job done in the mo- the quick, the quickest, easiest fashion. You get out in the middle of nowhere. Power is a consideration. And I know I don't get, but two or three hours on the batteries on my laptops. So anyway, but anyway, y'all go check his stuff out and, uh, thank you. Lee. It's been a while since we heard from you. You know, we were getting things so often at one point to, when you all of a sudden stopped, we thought you maybe had had a problem. So with that, we'll move on to the next email. Yes. I think I'll, I'll read this one because I don't want you to have a stroke. Okay. Yeah. Cause it's a long one. Yeah. It's a long one. Okay. We got an email. This one's from Dave, uh, Mike zero Delta Charlie Mike over in the West Midlands in the UK. Uh, Dave's written in before, but he's got some things to say again, apparently. Uh, he says, hey, Rich and Russ, well, I've not long come out of the hospital after a hydrocephalus shunt revision stroke operation, and I'm finally getting back into catching up with all my podcasts. And since rebuilding my home server, which is now hooked up to my surround sound system and 32-inch LCD TV, well, it's made my listening more pleasurable, even if the wife finds my hobbies boring. The server is an old Packard Bell Pentium 4 3.2 gigahertz desktop with 2 gigabytes of RAM and almost 1 terabyte of storage, which I had given to me. Well, it must be nice to have that kind of stuff given to you. And it's running currently Ubuntu 10.04 LTS with Tonito for web sharing, which allows me to listen to my podcast via my Acer Aspire 1 AO751H netbook running Jolly Cloud and Android devices while I'm at either the outlaw, the outlaws, okay, or my parents. And I do also share the LHS podcasts along with all the others I download with other hams. So that's pretty cool. Anyhow, talking about GNU radio, I have a friend who runs the Edis USRP SDR for transmit and receive, including the 60 watt amplifier on VHF UHF. And he's running it all under Linux and we're hoping to get packet and APRS running between us soon. It's an impressive system, and it's fairly easy to use. He also uses it for satellites up into the uh, SHF frequencies. He's also got the FunCube dongle, and damn, it's not just for receiving satellites. He's hoping to lend it to me at the next packet radio meeting, so look out. I'll let you know what I've been doing with it besides receiving VHF aircraft frequencies. I'm sure the fun cube dongle coupled to a Raspberry Pi would make a great cheapish SDR receiver. Before I finish, I've just purchased myself a Yaesu FT-817ND, and I'm hooked up on the whole QRP lark and running PSK31 and RIDI through it. Using FLDigi is great. I've also converted a few more hams over to Linux, so the future is looking bright. Keep up the great work, and I'll keep listening along with the others. And that's from Dave, 
Mike Zero, Delta Charlie Mike, from Dudley in the West Midlands in UK. So, uh, what do you have to say about that? Well, I only like apple pie and chocolate pie. And this is the second one we've had talking about raspberry pie. Yes. Well, yeah, I've actually. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. Anyway, it sounds like he's really got it happening over there. Um, you know, I wish I had the cash to invest or just to throw down on some of this stuff just so I could play with it. Um, stuff I've seen over at the Edis website is uh, uh, very impressive. Very impressive. Well, you, the prices are also impressive. That's the only thing I don't particularly like about the Edis products is how expensive they are. Maybe they're the apple of SDR. Well, maybe they are, but the thing of it is I'd rather have a non-SDR receiver that I can spend half as much on and actually get a transmitter to go with it. Well, this is true. This is true. But you can't fault people for using this. We're going to end up going that way anyway for the most part. You know, you can't fight the future. You cannot fight the future. I have tried and got my butt whooped more than once. Well, and the prices, of course, will come down as these things get more popular and and all of that. So we can hope it goes in that direction and becomes more economical for the average ham to try out some of this SDR stuff. But when we get around to talking about RTL SDR, which hopefully will be in the next episode, you'll learn all about the cheap ways you can do at least receive only SDR. And for a little bit extra money, you can transmit um, and get up to a pretty decent output power with an amplifier. So we will get to that. Sorry we ran out of time this time, but I don't know. Was there anything else we needed to talk about, uh, Dave's email here? Uh, no, I don't think so. It was very, very uh, fact-filled and feature-rich. And obviously his friend, whoever his friend is, the guy who owns the Edis and the Fun Cube dongle and whatever else he mentioned there, clearly has more money than he has a right to, and I would like some. So uh, go ahead and go over to lhspodcast.info, click on the donate button, uh, send us some of your extra cash. Uh, we could certainly use it. And uh, when we get up to a thousand or a couple thousand dollars, we may buy an Edis receiver uh, strictly for educational purposes, of course. That's uh, right, because we are not Chris Matthew and we are not going to borrow anything to test it because if it gets broke, we have to buy it. That's right. There you have it. Yeah, he he done that more than once, come think of it. You got kind of thrown on that SHF, didn't you? Uh, well, I, I was expecting to read just about any other letter there except for S, and uh, yeah, it kind of tripped me up. That's the area between UHF and microwave. Yeah, super high frequency. I get it. I mean, I just, you know, it, don't see it very often written out. Actually, a lot of lower microwave bands are SHF. Anyway, ah, okay, so last but not least, we have a comment on the website from David, K-E-0-A-Z. And he just comments that the Edison daughter boards, it uh, looks like the transmitters run anywhere from 50 milliwatts to 200 milliwatts, depending on the frequency. I found the info about halfway down on this page, which is apparently, yeah, their daughter board subpage. Um, y'all go over to Edis website. I think we give it out before. I, I'll give it again. www.ettus.com. And y'all go roam around, roam around the website and look around. So, uh, how about that, Russ? 
Yeah, we did. Um, Bill found it for us when we were talking about it the last time we were talking about the SDR stuff uh, and did, I think, put in the show notes for the last show the uh, 50 watt to 200 milliwatt limit on the Edis products. You know, which makes me think, because those things are $1,000 plus, you know, I think they went up to on the order of $1,600 or so for some of those. And then we talked about the, I don't remember which product it was, but it was the one that they only had the one kind left of. It cost about 80 bucks or something like that. And even that had a one watt transmitter in it, Yeah, uh, you know, so I don't know. You just got to kind of be careful about it. But like I said, we'll hit, we'll hit on that topic real hard when we talk about RTLSDR and I know when we get done with that show, everyone's going to run out and buy a cheap SDR and we're going to start an SDR revolution. I know it. Well, there you have it. I mean, uh, Richard, y'all know Richard, like the guy that like doesn't, doesn't like change. And I've got an HF rig that I, once I finally got it the way I wanted it, it was about $1,300. Now yeah, pay a thousand dollars for something. Well, let's put it this way. There was a Pactor controller that you had to have for uh, for Winlink, and they were about a thousand dollars. And all it did was run Pactor. You plugged it into your computer, and that's what it did. You had to have a radio plugged into it. It was just a modem. And guess what? Richard ended up not staying on Winlink on HF anyway. So uh, anyway, we we will look into it and, and see how it goes. All right, so we've cleared the feedback list. Well, the thing is, uh, sorry to interrupt, but no, we have not actually cleared the feedback list, but we're just plain out of time. I don't see no more. No, there isn't any more in the Etherpad, but there's plenty more piled up, and we will get to it next episode. But don't take that as an opportunity not to send any more in, because we will definitely get to it. So please, if you have some feedback, make sure to send it our way. That's right. We need to do an all-feedback episode. It's been a while since we've done one of them, get all caught up. Yeah, well, if we have to, we will certainly do it. But, you know, it turns out it's like, it seems like the, you know, when we first started this podcast, we were worried about the fact that, you know, we were going to get to 100 episodes. Well, here's the thing. Every time we do an episode, we generate four more. So I tell you what, this this thing is going to go for a long, long time. And I was never worried. <laughs> it was it was Chris Matthew that said that. Do you think there's enough uh, information there for a podcast? And I'm like, dude, if we get to 25, I'll be happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing of it is, you know, we're up to 86, and the topic that I've been wanting to talk about for three episodes is getting pushed back another one. So by the time we get to it, it's probably going to be 107. And, you know, who knows, but we'll, we'll be here a while. So anyway, uh, we're done with feedback. We had a great interview with Bob W9YA, and I think it's about time to wrap this one up. So what do you think we uh, go on down the road? Well, I think we ought to do that. So uh, uh, one of the things I want to tell you folks, I want to say, tell you all is things might be a little different for the next couple of months, but uh, y'all hang in there and everything will be okay. That's a little teaser for you so you can check in next time. All right. So if you want to get a hold of me, you can contact me at kb5jbv at gmail.com. kb5jbv at gmail.com. Or come find me on the social network. Uh, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. Uh, thanks to uh, Ping FM shutting down and turning into seismic, uh, you probably won't see many updates anywhere else. 
uh, because seismic only does two or three things. And uh, uh, let's see. Uh, I don't even know where the heck I was, but send me an email, send me a note. Uh, if you like it, don't like it, uh, but uh, don't make it too harsh. The really harsh ones you need to send to Bill at uh, at uh, uh, KB9WKA at uh, IDon'tCare.com. And uh, with that, I'll toss it over to Russ, and he can give you his information. All right. This is Russ, K5TUX. You can email us at info at LHSpodcast.info. All the information you need to know about the program is at our website, lhspodcast.info. You can find Richard on the social networks. You can find me on the social networks. That'd be Google, Twitter, Identica, so on and so forth. We're out there somewhere. Please give us some feedback. Send us an email. Go to the website. Leave a comment. And call us on the voice line. That's 909-LHS-SHOW, 909-547-7469. Seven four six nine. We'd like to hear your comments on the program. So thanks for tuning in once again. This has been episode number 86 of Linux in the Hamshack. We'll see you again in a couple of weeks. And I'm up here between the peaks in the pine forest of north central Arkansas. And I'm going to send it back down to the very comfortable cardboard box by the Trinity River in northeast Texas, where Richard KB5JBV is going to close us out by saying... Yeah, wait till y'all figure out where I am next time. We'll see y'all later. 7-3, everybody. <laughs>